songs for you <laughs> Beatles songs oh that's a good one I thank you yeah that was good that's thank like you. very specifically in your wheelhouse that's very in the wheelhouse yeah. yes big fan of the Foo Fighters as you may have guessed if you've listened to the show what yeah what <laughs> only natural yeah, yeah that's fine. welcome everybody to episode 111 of ranking the Beatles Woo-woo. how y'all doing I'm Jonathan I'm your captain aboard this crazy ship. Over here to my left, the lovely, the gorgeous, the stunning, the effervescent okay. Julia. How are you, my I'm love? I'm great. <laughs> what do you want? Nothing. <laughs> Why are you buttering me up? I'm just bestowing praise upon you because okay, I love you. you. You're welcome. Oh, How are you, my so dear? Sweet. I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm good. You look uh, very cute today. I love your little sweater that Thank you have you. on. It's very it's, cute. It's a little colorful, stripy sweater because... Um, my husband likes to keep his music room slash office of uh, the approximate temperature of hanging meat. Keep it frosty, my friend. It is very cold in here. I like to keep it frosty. It's okay. It's nice. Yeah. Um, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, hope you're all doing splendid this week. Uh, very excited, uh, to just keep ranking these tunes, man. <laughs> I'm, sup- we're almost to 100. Well, it's weird because we have two 100s that we'll have hit. Yes. We'll have hit our 100th episode. episode. Then we'll get to song, song 100. 100. Then yeah. you get to the top 100. Mm. And like we're getting close to that. And I'm feeling feeling the tingly pressures. Yeah. But I like it. I feel like we're getting close. The tingly pressures. The tingly pressures. <laughs> I don't know. That's a medical term. Yes. It's very... Ask your doctor. What tingly pressures can do for you. <laughs> Are you concerned about tingly pressures? <laughs> Talk to your doctor. All right, back on track. <laughs> Anyhow, guys, I don't even know what that's about. Um, yeah, super excited for this week, y'all. Got a really fun conversation for you. Hailing from Akron, Ohio, our guest this week is one of the preeminent jazz guitarists around today. I'm always excited to talk to someone who is a jazz player because I don't know anything about jazz. Like, I know, like, something about New Orleans jazz, mm-hmm. but outside of New Orleans, like, that jazz, I don't really know much about. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to be a fish out of water. Yeah. I enjoy that. Maybe you'll learn something today. I may. Um, he's worked with some of the biggest names in jazz. He received a Grammy nomination in 2017. What? Yeah. We have a Grammy nominee? Grammy nominee. Why is he talking to us? I don't know. He's way fancy. Right? Uh, his newest album is called Things Eternal. It is out now everywhere you get music. So check it out. Friends, please welcome to the show Dan Wilson. Dan Wilson, welcome to Ranking the Beatles. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm so so glad to have you here. It, it, it's so fun to get somebody who's not, you know, firmly in the rock world. Like, you know, it's always nice to get somebody who is just from a total different, you know, side of the uh, conversation from from Beatles music in general, you know. So, uh, a pleasure to meet you and, you know, like I was saying before we got before we got on here, uh, really really enjoying the record that you just put out. It's really really fantastic. Um, Thank you. It came out in May, is that correct? May, yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And how's the response been so far? Man, it's, it's, it's been it's been really nice. Like it's uh been getting a lot of uh, you know compliments from from a lot of people that, that I really admire. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, so a lot of my peers and and a lot of my uh, mentors have been saying a lot of real positive things, and just just random people um, off the street, which is I think kind of the true litmus test, like just some some random person who has really no connection to to you or your music. If, yeah, if no they skin did. in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice because like um, you know, as, as I. I, I try to play for uh, uh, like a visceral response, you know. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's nice when when somebody knows all the details. Like a lot of times, jazz cats get into. I like the you know sharp eleven you put on the in the, in the fourth bar, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but like so, somebody on the street is not really gonna care about that. But yeah. like if somebody can feel it in their gut, that's you know. Yeah, I've done my job. And, and that's that's kind of how I. You know, even though we, you know, Julie and I both are, grew up here in New Orleans, we're from here, um, you know, neither of us are very particularly versed in jazz. Um, I'm not versed in anything. So let's be <laughs> I don't know clear. about that. <laughs> I disagree with that. But I think we're both versed in like, you know, when you hear something that moves you and that yes. and that you enjoy and that you dig, you know, and that's kind of one of the feelings. That's one of the like one of the big feelings I got listening to to this record is like I just found myself constantly just like doing that kind of like stink face like just kind of groove into things and like really really enjoying it see i was doing a shoulder shake yeah <laughs> oh, I, was, man. <laughs> I was just like doo -doo -doo, doing a little like doo -doo -doo, shoulder shake. <laughs> nice <laughs> I, hey man if, if i can if i can get the if i can get a stink face and a shoulder shake yep. then that's that's like any that's better than any downbeat review or anything like that you know because like you know i i come from I come from the church, so you know the there's not as clear of a separation between music and dance, mm -hmm. uh, and you know it's what I'm used to. So like, it, it was a real adjustment for me playing, uh, just going to play in jazz clubs where people were sitting down, just kind of going like this, watching. Yeah, I was just like, what are, what do I do with my hands? You know, <laughs> but but. You know, I, I mean, I got used to it over time, but like, I still like when when people can feel something that makes them want to move. Yeah, and it, it yeah. feels to me. I know you 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 said you know you you come from kind of more of the the church and gospel uh, mm -hmm. side of things. I feel like I'm picking up you know bits of like bits of that kind of like gospel feeling with some songs, but also like some kind of like hip hop and some neo soul and like different bits of of, of you know different colors of different things and not just like straight up like traditional like New York jazz type thing or something like that. Is that kind of accurate, would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that has a lot to do with the fact that I, I never moved out of Ohio. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, Ohio is like a, a funk town. Yeah. Are, I should say uh, Cleveland, like Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, Akron, you know, those are all like funk towns. So like, you know, even though I was like a, you know, a serious jazz musician. I was digging into like Bird, Dizzy, you know, just like the, the roots of, of straight ahead jazz. You know, sometimes like begrudgingly, I'd, I'd have to be like, hmm, I, I have to I have to take this phone gig because I got to get paid. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm, and I'm really glad for that because I learned to love and, and to respect that music mm -hmm. and to realize that it's all coming from the same roots. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like, you know, you know, when you're, uh, like I, I put a post on Instagram the other day, uh, a while back talking about just like 
that experience of, of having to play those fun clubs and being a jazz musician, it's very humbling. Yeah. You know, because like the, the guy, you, you go in to play those kind of hood clubs where the, the guy in the red cowboy suit doesn't care about, you know, like how much stuff you can play outside of the court. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wants to dance, you yeah. know. Like I had a guy tell me, like, it, it wasn't a red cowboy suit. I remember it was a black he was wearing a black cowboy suit. Like he <laughs> stepped out the house like that. And, That's a choice. And he was, yeah, yeah, it was a firm decision. So he was like, uh, "So what kind of band are y'all?" I was like, "I hope it's not jazz. I'm tired of jazz." Oh no! Like, Man, you know. So you know, you you kind of like you kind of have to learn to move in those uh, in those kind of spaces. Yeah. So you you said you know you kind of came up in in the church uh, music scene. What's kind of been your journey from from there to now? Oh man, well the uh, the type of church music that that I was playing, um, it's, it's really it's really unique. Um, the church I grew up in was uh, it's called the uh, House of Jacob, and there's a really long history of of, of great guitar players in that church. Like stretching back to like the 1940s. Wow. Okay. And uh, you know, each generation, there there was just more and more and more. You know, so in my particular district, um, there was Akron, Youngstown, Warren, uh, Buffalo, and Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, and Pontiac, Michigan. So, excuse me. Um, on like district meetings, like all like all those churches would would get together. And so, you know, I get I get a chance to hear uh, the guitar players from from Pontiac, from Beaver Falls, from Buffalo, and man, I'm telling you, like, when I look back on it today, I, I just I can't believe that that I learned how to to play music in this environment, mm-hmm. you know, because like I w- I would just sit behind the front pew and just listen to the unbelievable stuff these guys were playing. And you know, so by the time I sat down to play the guitar, I was just like, "This, this, this is just what people do," you know. Right. It, it wasn't, like a, you know, it just wasn't like a, it wasn't a thing. Like, oh, this is gonna be really difficult. Yeah, you know, it was just like this. Everybody's doing it, so you know. And how old I'm, were you? I'm sure it's fine. Uh, I was 13. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Kind of a late bloomer. Yeah, because I started at 13, and it was literally just like, "Well, let's learn these, you know, three chord Beatles songs, and you know, let's." learning this 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 power chord now i'm cooking <laughs> like i got a yeah, bar yeah. chord let's do it you know? uh-huh. yeah <laughs> well i see the, the guys that um that i was listening to in the church they were all into like george benson west montgomery um grant green they're real heavy into to charlie christian mm-hmm. um and so as a result the the church music swung so like i remember when i when i first started learning jazz it was just like, oh, this is just church music with a couple more chords. Yeah, you know, it was it was that similar. Was, so the transition was just like, you know, of course, of course, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And where in that journey, you know, where do you where do the Beatles enter the picture for you? Ah, a very specific point. Um, the first time I heard George Benson's. Uh, album the other side of abbey road yeah oh nice so that that messed me up man because like i, I was just like man this this dude has all this bebop language and and there's something in these 
Beatles composition that speaks to him enough to where he can take it and and have all these great arrangements. Um, <clears throat> so, so what I did is I took every one of those tunes and I, I went back and and checked out the original uh, original Beatles version. I was like, man, there's some serious songwriting happening here. Yeah. I mean, like, like lyric, lyrically and harmonically, and just the way a lot of the tunes are, are structured. You know, uh, it's just it's, it's really heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, the time signature changes. There's some advanced stuff happening there. Yeah, and a lot you of it's know? stuff they just you know kind of stumbled into, like especially with the time signature changes. Like on the song we'll talk about today, you know, there are there are bars that are in you know five four. I think there might be one in in seven, and it's not that he's writing that intentionally. It's kind of just the way the meter falls based around the lyric, and it's he's just kind of backing into it accidentally. You know, and th- there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, that, that, I think that's that's why they they're uh, you know because we, we talked about um, people responding viscerally, like like uh, Blackbird. The tons of tons of meter changes, mm-hmm. but it feels natural. Yeah. The, the, the phrase is da 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 You know, you don't even think about, you're, you're not counting yeah. while you're thinking it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes uh, I find it in, in, sometimes in the jazz world, some, you know, some of the players will be like, well, here's my song in nine. Here's my song in seven. You know, and it was a sound <laughs> That that their their first uh, inkling was like I'm gonna write something in seven. Yeah, not necessarily. Here's here's a phrase that popped in my head, and I'm gonna develop it. Um, and that's what I get from the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they had a phrase in mind that, like you said, fit the lyric, and and, and they they wrote around that theme. Yeah, yeah. You know? How do you do? You feel there's kind of you know, because I feel you know. The Beatles, in in some ways, are kind of the antithesis of jazz with this very concise, structured, uh, you know, economical pop, you know, sensibility. And I'm wondering, you know, can you tell me, like, the influences that you might hear that jazz maybe had on the Beatles and then also maybe vice versa that the Beatles in tune have on jazz? I, I think um, maybe, because, uh, like, you listen to a song like, uh, like Michelle, and and some of the like the harmonic complexity, mm-hmm. I, I would say that's um that would be indicative of jazz's influence on on the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then you know even down to like the um the instrument the instrumentation like the fact that they're playing drum set, mm-hmm. you know, that started that started in jazz. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But but like uh, it was actually in New Orleans. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as uh, the Beatles' influence on jazz, like I think they're they kind of fall within because uh, like like jazz musicians w- will take uh, take songs from like the Great American Songbook, like Rodgers and Hart, um, you know George Gershwin, and, and I think there's the Beatles Songbook is is just as fertile. As um, as like a Gershwin or, or Rogers and Hart, you know, because you you could do a lot with those songs. Yeah.
you've got this cover of Eleanor Rigby on your record that's so good. You know, like what kind of drew you to that? Um, well, I, I always, I always dug that uh, that particular tune because uh, the, the strings, uh, George Martin's uh, string arrangement was so was just killing. I mean, uh, it's almost, it's kind of funky, like the the doom, doom, doom. It's real bouncy and, and really uh, rhythmically lively, mm-hmm. you know, and despite the kind of dark subject matter mm-hmm. that, uh, that they're talking about in the song. So I was like, let me let me do something with that. And then the I didn't I never realized until I started playing it that the first phrase is five bars. You know, so you got Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, when we we first started playing that, because I was like, you know, we we could probably swing that. You know, we just changed the 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 accents up a little bit. The the phrase fits perfectly. But when we started playing that, and we had the solo over it, that five, those five bars kind of tripped everybody up every time everybody was lost after the first (laughs) 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 but we got we got used to it though yeah we really found that a lot like talking uh, talking to people about these songs i mean we've done how many 105 this is our 105th song is it no this is the this will be the 111th episode thank you whatever hundred and something uh the songs are deceptively complicated oftentimes like sometimes they're they're pretty simple but like it sounds like to me the non-musical person it sounds very simple but then speaking to musicians who who play them they're like oh wait a minute that's what (laughs) that's way more complicated than i thought it was Whatever oh, yeah. I thought it was is it's something completely different. So we find that a lot. It's really interesting, especially because they like weren't super educated about like the technical yeah, parts not, of music. Not at all. No. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's really interesting how they got there most of the time. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. That 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 speaks to something else that's that's driving it. You know, mm-hmm. some some uh, the, the natural musical sense that they that they had uh, because. You know, I mean, to to keep it real, you know, they weren't the greatest instrumentalists. Yeah. So, like they they were not super heavy on their, uh, you know, on their inst- on their instruments. But what I think their music kind of transcended uh, like the physical instruments. Cause like, man, I, when I I read that Quincy Jones interview <laughs> a couple years ago, yeah. Interview, Man, I <laughs> lost my mind laughing because he was just like, man, Ringo was the, he was the worst one, man. It's terrible, <laughs> you know. It was just, it was like, wow. But, um, poor Ringo. <laughs> yeah, that poor, that poor guy. But um, but he's perfect for what they do. That's the thing. Is like he's perfect for the situation. Anybody else would have overplayed or not had the right kind of swing for what they were doing. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting because I think. I feel like if you asked 10 pop rock players how they felt about the Beatles instrumentally, you know, you'll get 10 out of 10 people going, well, McCartney's the best rock bass player of all time. He's, you know, the root of modern bass playing. You'll probably get 80% going, you know, uh, maybe 70% saying Ringo is the most important rock drummer. 
You know, he's the foundation of the backbeat of rock and roll. You know, George really? is a great slide player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're very protective of that. <laughs> like, wow. when I think of, like, the majority of, like, the, you know, the rock music that I listen to, very definite through line instrumentally of, like, oh, that's a McCartney bass part. Or that's a Ringo feel. That's a Ringo part on drums. Like, those are very definitive things that while maybe especially with, with Ringo in mind, they're a bit more rudimentary. Like that simplicity is, is often such a part of, of the goal. Um, mm -hmm. And McCartney's bass thing is more just, it's so, it's so melodic. It's, it's just like adding another counter melody into a song, you know? But I think when mm -hmm. I talk to jazz players that I know here in town, they're a bit more like, ah, oh, they're not that great. You know, they, they, they kind of tend to have that same opinion of it. So it's really interesting to me to hear that dynamic, to hear people with yeah, that. Yeah, man. But, you know, the, the crazy thing about it is I don't know if I want to hear, like, somebody killing that music. You know? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, like, like at, at the time, like, I don't know if I, if I wanted to hear, like, Elvin Jones on, on like, you know, She's Leaving Home or something right. like that. You <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I mean, he find, he probably find some way to be killing, but I mean, <laughs> like for for that uh, for the original version, I I think I just I want to hear I want to hear Ringo on that, right? You know, what I'm saying? like I'm, I'm sure you've uh, heard like the the like there's this kind of alleged rumor that Bernard Purdy played drums on the first like five Beatles records, and like yeah, he claims it, true? he he says it's true. Nothing's ever nothing's ever been. There's never been any kind of like proof of that other than just like one person's story. But could you imagine how those records would sound if Bernard Purdy actually played like Bernard Purdy on those songs? Like it would have been it'd way be very funny. different. Yeah. It'd been really yeah. it really cool, but very, yeah. very different. Yeah. Very yeah. Yeah, that that that'd be interesting, man. I I'm I'm like I would I would love to know if that's if that's a fact. I mean, every time I, I see imagine. yeah, every time I see like a thing for like Bernard Purdy's doing a master class, you know, sign up here. I'm like, ooh, I want to get in and ask the question. Be like, how can you prove <laughs> that you played all these records? Yeah, you can't just yeah. say that and not prove it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who? By the way, Bernard Purdy. That's like, I mean, he he he's like he's an incredible drummer and. Those those instructional videos uh, that are circulating circulating around YouTube, oh, they're great. Are just, man, they're they're just just incredible, man. Like no self confidence problems at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he's he's sitting there, he's playing it, he's just like, oh oh, and, like he's surprising himself. <laughs> he's making himself feel good. <laughs> yeah, man. But I, I get it because you know if I was that funky, I'm I'm like right. You know, I might be like that too. Right. <laughs> Who are some of your kind of uh, you know touchstones musically? You know, I mean, I, I know you've got an, an, an affection for the Beatles, and that's obviously the reason why we're here at the end of the day. But you know, for you musically, like, what are kind of your touchstones that you that kind of make up your DNA? And uh, well, I'm I'm sort of a man. I'm sort of an omnivore when it, when it comes to to my musical influences. But I would say. Like my like salt, pepper, and garlic powder. Like <laughs> it would be like uh, would be West Montgomery. That was like that's that's who made me want to be a uh, a jazz musician. Um, <clears throat> George Benson. Mm -hmm. That was that's 
you know, I, I I feel like he's the the greatest to ever pick up the instrument. Yeah. I mean, he just like especially especially those those records around like the mid seventies the early and mid seventies, it's just like you just almost don't believe it's a human being playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, um and then he's got these incredibly like catchy hit singles with like this nasty bass work behind it. Like that's the one that I it keeps coming on satellite radio lately that turn your love around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just funky as all hell, but like it's such a good song too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And and that that was, it was cool. He's especially inspiring because like he was just, he came along and like cashed in on his talent. Like he, he became a pop star, but he also had this incredible vocabulary that, you know, a lot of the people who tried to, um, walk in that lane didn't really have. Mm-hmm. He came up, you know, under Jack McDuff. He, he he played with all the all the greats. Uh, he played with Dizzy. Um, you know, there's vid- videos of him of him playing with Dizzy, um, uh, James Moody, just a, a, a ton of people. Um, and then he achieved this pop success, and but he still had all that information. So that's when you get a hit like do 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 do. Do 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 do, and then he takes a solo, and then you you start yeah. hearing some language, you know. Yeah, I I, I love that. It's just and so that, much that. more interesting too. Yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. Um, but then I'm you know, I'm really really big into um like Brazilian music. Okay. And so I have a, a ton of influences from there, and uh, and real heavy into to Afro Cuban mm-hmm. like folkloric uh, music. Just uh, the drums and voices. That's just very. Uh, um, that kind of makes up my uh, whatever the mix is going on in my head. Yeah. Mm. Nice. So the so the record's out now, and and what's what's next for you? Are you are you touring with behind it? Like, what's your what's your schedule like for that? Yeah, I, I um I'm I'm doing a few things this this summer uh, in support of that, um, and one of them is is. Uh, it's coming up the uh, Tri C Jazz Festival. Um, that's on June twenty third. I'll be playing. Uh, I put together this show of uh, Stevie Wonder's music. Oh, nice! I wrote all these yeah, wrote all these arrangements of uh, Stevie's music from all over, all from um, all over his career, and because uh, I, I, I covered a Stevie tune on uh, on this last record mm-hmm. from. Uh, Fulfilling this first finale, um, so we're we're gonna be we're gonna be doing that, and uh, I got a couple of dates this summer uh, with the with from the with the band uh, on the record. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm you know just trying to trying to play whatever I can, whoever calls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Do you mostly uh, play like in the Ohio area? No, I'm, I'm all over the place. Yeah. All over the place. We um. Uh, like now, when I was playing with uh, the organist Joey D. Francesco, then we tour all over the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, with, with my own project, since I'm a new artist, like it's it's mostly in the states. So like I played uh, was it, uh, SF Jazz uh, West, and then we played uh, a couple. Uh, we played the Montreal Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was a bunch of places in Canada, Victoria, 
Vancouver Jazz Festival. Um, we played out Seattle Earshot Jazz Festival. But yeah, just just all all over the place, you know. Um, You'll have to apply to the New Orleans Jazz Festival next yeah. year. <laughs> I'm 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 down with that. I, I heard uh, it was wild uh, this this past year. My my buddy, uh, uh, you know Nigel Hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He plays with Dumpster it, Funk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and lettuce, and you know, he said that uh, he almost. We had a gig. Uh, about uh two weeks ago in pittsburgh doing some of the stevie stuff mm-hmm. and he had almost lost his voice because uh playing uh the new orleans jazz festival he said like his gigs would be like three in the morning yeah till eight yeah. yeah like you've got you know the festival goes from 11 to 7 and then clubs start night shows at eight o'clock and you'll have a an eight to ten an 11 to 1 and then like some clubs then do like a late late a late late two yeah. to whenever and mm-hmm. you know you got you got guys that are hustling and doing you know five six gigs a day during that because like especially you get all these like all these guys come to town and do these like super jams and so you know everyone's playing like multiple gigs a day and running around with different it's, it's different insanity. groupings of people <laughs> like they're yeah it's wild and then you have like the days between also because jazz fest is like friday saturday sunday the first weekend and then thursday friday saturday sunday the second weekend but that like monday tuesday wednesday is also the clubs are like wait we have tourists that come in for the first weekend and stay for the second weekend so we can just have music in between so there's all like the days between stuff like i mean yeah. it's just it's completely bananas here. I have no idea how all these musicians like survive. I would die after like day two. Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> yeah. like, uh, do you know Stanton Moore, drummer? Drummer for drummer for Galactic. He's a pretty well known drummer in the funk and kind of jazz world. But like, he gets so busy during Jazz Fest that he'll hot he'll bring on kids from the Loyola music program who like work for him or intern for him. And he's got, I think, last I heard it was two of them that go around and each kid has a drum kit, goes to the club, sets up the kit. Stanton gets there from the last gig. He goes and gets the other kit while the other guy's setting up another kit for the next gig. And, like, they run Ooh. like that for 10 days. It's just, it's insane. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I have to mention, too, uh, now we're on the topic of New Orleans, uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite, absolute favorite musicians, uh any any genre anywhere in the world is uh donald harrison and yeah he just he just recently um had a uh had a heart attack so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah. this on record that, that we're praying for him to yes. uh absolutely because the, the music would not be the same without him yes at all oh man that's that's thank you for for dropping that that's very nice of you much appreciated yeah. it's a it's a small circle here a small Musical scene and everybody knows. I don't know him personally, but I know people that know him and that play with him. And some of them that listen to this podcast, I'm sure will appreciate hearing that and passing that along. So nicely done. Well, before we uh, get too into the weeds, why don't we turn our attention to the song of the week? Friends, coming in this week at number 105 is Across the Universe. Are flowing out like endless rain into a paper. 
paper cup They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe Pools of sorrow, waves of joy are drifting through my opened mind Possessing and caressing me often talk about being a vessel for songs, a medium for the universe to channel music to human form. Songs can just appear out of thin air in the middle of doing something totally unrelated sometimes when you're dead asleep. An example of this is when Paul says he dreamt the idea of yesterday in the middle of the night. Uh, the inspiration for Across the Universe seems to be one of these moments for John Lennon. In his 1980 interview with Playboy magazine, John tells David Schiff of lying in the bed next to Cynthia Lennon sometime in late 1967, possibly after an argument or some situation where she'd been talking about something for a while, and he was irritated about it. At some point, she went to sleep, and John started hearing lyrics in his head. The ideas were so strong, he says he got up, went downstairs, sat down to work, and, started, and stated that essentially the song basically wrote itself. His initial feeling of irritation gave away to a more cosmic sensibility, no doubt informed by his and the Beatles' immersion into the world of meditation and Eastern philosophy around this time. The lyrics of the song are some of John's proudest moments. He spoke in many interviews about this being one of the songs he was most proud of lyrically, noting that it easily stood on its own without any musical accompaniment. So with a song like this, you'd think we'd be discussing a really exciting, amazing recording experience where John saw one of his proudest compositions come to life, but we'd be mistaken. So John brings this song to the band February 4th of 1968, where he offers it up for consideration for the Beatles' next single. And to his recollection, quote, nobody was interested in doing it. He recalls, again in the Playboy interview, quote, I was psychologically destroyed. Nobody was supporting me or helping me with it. But we would spend hours doing little detail cleaning on Paul's songs. But when it came to mind, somehow this atmosphere of looseness and casualness, uh, let's try a few experiments, would come over. It was subconscious sabotage. Paul will say this doesn't exist and that I'm paranoid, but I'm not paranoid. It's the absolute truth. So he's, just, he's saying that Paul sabotages his songs. That's a bold claim. That is a bold claim. Um, <laughs> so it's with this vibe and mindset at work that the Beatles begin to work on the song, with John unsure of the direction he wants to take. Take One features John on acoustic, George on tambora, and Ringo on the toms, while Take Two, uh, Paul also joins in on guitar, George moves to the sitar, and Ringo moves to the Swarmandel. Uh, by take six, things are dialed back to just John on acoustic and Ringo on the toms. George then overdubs a tambora to the track, and then John re-records his vocals, having to accommodate for the song's odd time structures and places where he lost his breath. Now, meanwhile, <clears throat> Paul went out in search of a couple of singers for another vocal overdub. It was decided to try to have some women sing on the chorus as well, as was normal when the Beatles were in the studio. A flock of girls were outside the door of the studio. So Paul went outside to surprise the girls and following some impromptu auditions, selected 16-year-old Lizzie Bravo and 17-year-old Galen Peace, 
who were chosen to come in and sing the melody line of the chorus with the band. Further experimentation was done, including backwards bass and drums and guitar parts, as well as multi-tracks of humming that were all added to the track. However, after sitting on all this for a few days, John decided most of this was taken away from his vision of the track and removed it all, though he was still unsure of what it was he wanted. So now Mellotron and organ were added and replaced by wah-wah guitar, maracas, and piano. John then re-records his vocal again with the track played at a slower speed uh, to then speed up the pitch of his voice when the song is played back at its normal speed. However, the cadence of the, the, cadence of the lyrics and the meter of the song created phrasing issues that John felt he just couldn't get comfortable with. Towards the end of the session, the band had to make a final choice for their next single. John was so unhappy with the state of the song, he withdrew it from consideration, and Lady Madonna, backed with George's The Inner Light, became the single. Now, also during the session, the band were visited by comic Spike Milligan, who it turned out really liked Across the Universe, so much, in fact, he asked if it could be used for a charity compilation album he was working on for the Worldwide, the World Wildlife Federation. An annoyed John gave him the yeah-whatever permission. Uh, <laughs> and though John wasn't really done with the song, rough mixes were done, and the band left the song when they left for India later that month. Now, this isn't nearly the end of the journey here. The band returned from India. They make the White Album at the end of 68, with John never returning to Across the Universe, and not really writing from that same cosmic, peaceful mindset he was writing in before, as now he's found himself in a different, darker place. Drugs have re-entered the picture. Harder drugs have entered the picture. His marriage is broken up. His relationship with the band is different. And it's not until the band begin to work on the Get Back project in January of 69 and John finds himself with a lack of material that he begins to pull across the universe back out. You can see the band work on the track off and on in, with various states of excitement and interest in both the Let It Be and Get Back films. And at one point during the project, the band actually have a conversation where they discuss blowback they're hearing over public dissatisfaction with the Yellow Submarine album that was released at the end of 68, having only six original Beatles songs, two of them having been released previously, and the remainder of the album taken up with George Martin's score. The fans are feeling ripped off, and the band discussed releasing the four new songs from that record as a value-priced EP with a bonus track, the still-unreleased Across the Universe, that they recorded in February of 68. This plan never comes to fruition, though. Then in September of 69, the World Wildlife Federation compilation Nothing's Gonna Change Our World is released, featuring that February 68 recording, with additional sounds of birds having been added to the track to increase its nature feel. Uh, now, when the, when the Let It Be film is finally edited and its accompanying album is prepared, the band are seen in the film working on the song, so it's decided to include the song on the album. Producer Phil Spector adds his orchestra and choir to the song, removing the Beatles' backing vocals as well as the girls' backing vocals, and also curiously slows the track down as well. Lennon said Spectre, quote, worked wonders on it and made a made a reasonably good sound out of it. That's a really, really <laughs> good, a, really good review. Yeah. Uh, the song is actually so the song is released on the Let It Be album in May of 1970 um, and was never performed by the band or any of its members solo. John went on to say that it was, quote, a lousy track of a great song. And I was so disappointed by it. Uh, also of note, in January of 75, David Bowie and John Lennon were in the recording studio together, where they recorded Bowie's cover of Across the Universe, the same day they also recorded the song Fame, both of which would appear on Bowie's Young Americans album. The song's also been covered over the years by artists like Fiona Apple, Rufus Wainwright, 
the late great BDI, and at a Grammy Awards performance led by Velvet Revolver and Stevie Wonder. What? Right? <laughs> that also featured Billy Joe Armstrong, Bono, Nora Jones, Alicia Keys, Alison Krauss, Tim McGraw, Slash, Steven Tyler, and Brian Wilson. And interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish y'all could see Dan's face right now. He's like just like, perplexed. <laughs> yeah, I think we're I all making that face. <laughs> I didn't mean to break up your flow. I'm sorry. No, man, that, a... that, one, that one threw me off. That's a list. That, that's that's a lot. And that's chaos. That's pure chaos. <laughs> and final trivia note, on February 4th, 2008, NASA transmitted the song to the direction of the star Polaris, 431 light years from Earth, the first, song, the first time a song had ever been transmitted into deep space, and this was done in celebration of the 40th anniversary of the song's recording, as well as the 50th anniversary of NASA. So that's neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's neat. That's <laughs> yeah, I see what they did there with the across the universe. Yep, yep. Space, I got Space it. Space nerd. Very clever. <laughs> so why do I have across the universe at 105? So this one's kind of a challenge for me. You know, when I say we're ranking every Beatles song. I'm ranking the track more so than the composition per se. And this presents some conundrums sometimes. An example being The Long and Winding Road. It's musically a compositionally great song. As for the track, I personally don't rank it very high. I think the mark is missed, but that's just my personal opinion. But that's kind of the premise of this whole podcast. I know, Dan, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I see your, your total devastation. We can come back to that. Um, so I kind of see where John's coming from, though, and feeling like the band didn't quite hit the mark here. Uh, but the dilemma is that he himself, as the author, doesn't really know what the mark was, and maybe that's the biggest problem. I think lyrically, compositionally, this is top-tier John Lennon. Without a doubt, one of his best lyrics. It's a beautiful melody. Um, I think the issue at hand is that his performance is not necessarily rock-solid. His vocal is pitchy sometimes. He's short of breath. It never feels like a confident delivery, which is exactly the complaint that he has about it. Um, and he's, it feels like he's not at the top of his game performance-wise on it, even though he doesn't really know the game that he's playing, if that makes sense. It feels like with the song, you know, it's so good, it's like he was given a superpower but couldn't figure out how to use it right. Um, the, on its own, considering, you know, it's a delicate track, there's tons of charm and beauty in that. And I love that over the years we've gotten to hear the unadorned version of it, you know, without all the strings and the choir. We've gotten to hear all these various mixes of the track and seeing what they did with it, the parts they took away, the parts they added. Um, but I think because of John's uncertainty on it, we get multiple versions where, and I hate to use this phrase, in hindsight, the kind of canonical version, it almost seems like the whole thing is like they're trying to put lipstick on a pig. I hate to say that, even though the pig is gorgeous because it's across <laughs> the universe. But like it's maybe a B minus performance of an A plus song that they're trying to like spruce up to a B plus or A minus with overdubs, with, you know, backing tracks or harmonies or choirs and orchestras. Uh, but, you know, please understand, listeners, I love this song. I think it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And this whole podcast is a stupid idea anyway. But <laughs> I think a more clear headed John Lennon. Maybe at another time, and maybe with the band in a different headspace, could have made this song absolutely unbelievable, as opposed to just a really, 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 really good song, if that makes sense. 
So that's my spiel. I feel like I've talked for 30 minutes. Yeah, I think you have. <laughs> Dan, please take over from here. <laughs> well, let me let me be the first to say, they're coming for you in the comments, man. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going to get ripped on this one. I know it. <laughs> man, no, I mean... That that's you 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 are um, you two are extraordinarily brave because I I man I there was no way I would be able to well first to, to rank yeah you know like anybody's compositions that's so tough yeah that's so tough <laughs> but like you know I'm I'm really interested to uh, to know what what was going on you know like. Because I, I know just after being in a band for or several bands for a long time, you know, I know how the dynamics can shift and, you know, people, it's, it's just like, it's almost like, uh, you know, you spend so much time on the road with, uh, with these people and, and they become, they kind of become like your family. So you have spats and, you know, you have all the like sibling rivalries, all, all the things that come along with with having so many different personalities uh so close all the time mm-hmm. and i can only imagine i can only imagine the pressures of, of all the scrutiny they were under yeah. you know with just being like a, a global uh global you know like what would you call it sensation like a, <laughs> global sensation yeah the you biggest know, band I in mean, the world yeah. yeah 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 the entire world is just like Looking at you with some binoculars, you know, waiting for your next nugget of brilliance, you know, like that's that's a lot of pressure. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know if, if I create something good or you know that people like, I I need to go away for a little while mm-hmm. and not be bothered, you know. So I, I can only I can only imagine, you know, kind of the uh, like subjective criticism, you know, that John Lennon was heaping on himself. You know, knowing that he had this really this great uh, this great composition, and uh, you know, it it just didn't really turn out like he wanted it to. That that would be psychologically uh, that'd be that that would mess with me. Because like I, I've um, but the one thing I've learned for, of uh, being in the in the studio and and th- this makes me thankful uh, to be a jazz musician. You know that um, like each performance will never happen again, mm. you know, and uh, a record uh, or a recording is, is nothing but a snapshot, you know, because like, like even on, on, on my record, like um, I was I, I told the guys, I was like, hey, we're not going to split hairs here. We're, we're not going to split hairs like because has to be like, oh, can, can I just punch that one section? I feel like <laughs> I, I just, I nope, we're, we're leaving it on there, you know, because like, I, I, I just I feel like music is is best when it's experienced uh, as live as it can be. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, there's that um, the Marvin Gaye recording of uh, "Distant Lover" when it's live, and when he uh, he says the word "please," his voice cracks, mm-hmm. and and the audience goes nuts. nuts. Yeah, I mean, just completely, just completely nuts. And and I I don't think I I would like. Uh, I don't think I would like it as much if he hit that note clean, mm-hmm. because it it it, uh, it gave me something else. That that, that part gives me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But th- that's yeah. I I was, and and to your point, like th- this. Um, I was reading the lyrics today. I was just like, man, that second verse is the the imagery is crazy. Mm. Like when he says, "Images of broken light which dance before me like a million eyes. They call on me on and on across the universe. Thoughts meander like a restless wind inside a letterbox. They tumble blindly as they make their way across the universe." That is some serious. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. It stands on its own. Yeah, yeah it stands on without music. Yeah, no. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not really tripping on the track. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's genius. You yeah, know? that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think you know, in 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 pop music <clears throat> or in rock music, you know, it, it's kind of the it's kind of the opposite or it can be the opposite of, of what you're going for with jazz where the, uh, you have this idea of this, of this track and this, this piece and you can piecemeal it as much as you want to get it to where you want. And mm-hmm. I've been in a studio in a session where you just cannot hit the mark and it's the most frustrating thing. Um, when it's, you know, you just can't figure out what it is that you're not doing and that you know mm-hmm. if you feel like you know if like you know we're talking about band dynamic if you don't feel like everyone's pulling the same weight it just adds to the frustration and then that all just snowballs so if he feels yeah. like paul's not feeling this song with the same weight that he has applied to it mm-hmm. he's getting that kind of negativity and you know when but also when you don't know what it is you want that's even harder because you can't mm-hmm. you can't show what's in your brain to somebody necessarily, you know, like so I can understand like his absolute frustration with just like I can see it, but I can't tell you what it is, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that, that, it's it's uh, it's just such a gorgeous song. Like lyrically, you know, he always I think, you know, was in competition with like a writer like Bob Dylan to be, you know, a, a poet of some sort. And you know, uh-huh. this is hands down one of the best ones he ever wrote. One of the best lyrics oh, he ever yeah. wrote. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's powerful, man. Just just like the Yeah, that, that second verse really, really messed me up a little bit, man. I, I was like because <laughs> I, I was going through it and it's just like that that's like for me, like Stevie Wonder is, is one is one of my uh one of my favorite lyricists. I I'm I'm kinda like a a lyric hound mm-hmm. so like I, you know, I, I really you know because i'm coming from like the the great american songbook you know so like I, the, the lyrics aren't about anything I'm, it's tough for me to get into so like you know i'm really into stevie wonder and, and like sting and you know people like that like uh and even you know i had a chance to um do two albums with uh with van morrison and oh, cool and he would like <clears throat> he would come in the studio, he like, oh, guys, I got some, I got some new songs, and, and he was this this Walmart bag with a crinkly, um, uh, crinkly notepad, and then like he starts singing the lyrics, and we were just like, mm. you know, because <laughs> he he was he was a real poet, yeah, um, and so and I get that that type of, uh, I can see that type of skill level, um, in in this writing. And it's it's pretty pretty stunning. Yeah. 
How does the rest of the track strike you? Like melodically, musically, does anything stand out to you? Um, I, I mean, harmonically, it, it's like it's it's not like it, it doesn't knock me out like some of their other mm -hmm. the other compositions. Uh, it's I would say like I I would like to spend like a, a week with it just to just getting it under my fingers just to see what kind of uh, possibilities it has. I think the the melody is is really strong. Melody is really strong. It's very um, very logical, and you know has has very logical voice leading. Um, so that could go a lot of different, you uh, know, a lot of um, different harmonic directions. Uh, and there's one, there's one odd phrase in there that uh, that I heard. Uh, it's, it's on one of the verses. I have to play it back to um, to tell you exactly where it is. But I, I was counting. I was like, wait, is that? Is that there's like a there's like a little subtle bar of two four. At yeah, I think the it's the uh, exciting and inviting me lyric. Oh, that might that might be it. I think can, can I play that real yeah, quick? Yeah, go now? for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's gonna bother me if I don't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> One second. What's mm -hmm. the universe? <laughs> Like endless rain into the cup, they slip away, they pass, they slip away across the universe. Yeah, right there. Um, wait a second. If something happens, I gotta run that back. If something happens, <laughs> all right. There was a bar of five right yeah, there. Yeah, bar of five. Yeah, there's a bar of five there. It's like th that's some subtle, like that's some subtle stuff, man. Yeah. You know, uh, it was just it's just like one extra beat. I, I I love stuff like that when when they especially in pop songs when they slip that in there because you know most of the time people are clapping right on on two and four. Mm -hmm. You know, but like you'll be if you keep clapping on every other beat, you'll be flipped around. Yeah. The next bar, you know, but it was just it was so natural how uh, how they did that. So, but like harmonically, it's it's pretty simple. Yeah, it's pretty simple, which is cool. You know, it doesn't uh, doesn't have to have a million chords all the time. Uh, but I can definitely. So I, I would say, like, 
uh, on on that uh, on the the chorus, I can definitely hear um, some harmonic possibilities. Like I, I might uh, just the way the melody structure, I might just uh, it's, it sounds like it, it's uh, it could be centered around uh, like a Lydian chord. So I, I might um, I might arrange it like that. Just have it over the same bass note. And just uh, do something like. So I don't know what a Lydian chord is because I'm an idiot oh, rock okay. musician. So <laughs> oh, if you yeah, want to yeah, play yeah, it for just, me, I would love to hear that because I'm like a Lydian oh, yeah, chord. Just, huh? just, yeah, just like a. Let me see here. So. Mm, so if you got these two chords here, just two major chords here. Mm hmm. So I would take those same two chords and just put them over. Uh, so this is F sharp and G sharp. So I would just have uh, F sharp be the bass note and just. Okay. And just have that, that phrase just kind of sit over that, that tonality. And it's a, it's a cool effect. Yeah. And it's coming from this uh, particular mode called Lydian. It's just. A major scale with a, a raised fourth degree. So, uh, okay. But you hear that a lot in uh, like flamenco music. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that can be cool. That that that's that's where I would start in the in the arranging process. Um, but I mean, classic songs like this, you know, not much needs needs to be done. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just more like you might just feel like it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> just it's because it's fun. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Yeah, I'm yeah. bored. Let's see what we can do with across the universe today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> when you were talking about the uh, the switch on, you know, the switch on the beat on five, uh, mm -hmm. have you ever seen that that, that clip of uh, Harry Connick Jr. Where he's playing and the clout the crowd's on the one and three. <laughs> oh. He just flips them, <laughs> throws a measure of five in and gets them all in the two and four. It's so good. Man, I think that's like I, our I, that's like our city's national YouTube clip. <laughs> like yes, yes. we're so proud of that. <laughs> Man, and, and, and you have great reason. Yeah, that, that was like I felt so vindicated as a um <laughs> as a musician and just as as somebody like who just I, you know, I've played in Europe, and, and sometimes, like, I mean, the European audiences are, are amazing, but, man, that one in three clap is so crushing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just like, man, yeah, it's it's pretty rough, but the the way he flipped it around was just so clever. Yeah. You know, he puts that, yeah, he puts that bar of five in there, all of a sudden, everything is swinging. Yep. <laughs> They're none he, the wiser. Yeah, they felt good, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And you can see the bassist, um, Ben Wolf, the great bassist, who's in his band at the time. As soon as he did that, you can see him go like this. <laughs> <laughs> For like half a second, I was like, man, I, I feel you, man. <laughs> oh, man. Julia, my love, what do you think about Across the Universe? Uh, I have to laugh because your thoughts on the song are just pure chaos. Like, I... <laughs> Do not, you're like, oh, it's... It does feel like weird. It, 
you're like, well, it missed the mark, but also it's but it's, it's top tier linen, and I'm like, okay, but what? <laughs> I understand what you're saying. It's it's hard for him to create what's in his head. Yes, when he doesn't know, like he can't vocalize it he can't say this is what i want when paul is always very clear about exactly what he wants mm-hmm. and that's why he gets what, yes what he what's in his head is on tape yeah um so but i didn't know that so i just thought it was a beautiful song right <laughs> like i didn't know the backstory i didn't realize that he had like all of these sort of ideas for it or that he wasn't getting to where he wanted to be with it. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that this is sure. what he wanted and this is what he got. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that the the whole vision of the song like meshes really well. Like it's the music is very delicate. The words are very delicate. Like the words themselves, like the imagery that he's describing is very just soft and delicate. Like it feels very sort of like ethereal to mm-hmm. me. Um, like the music and the imagery and the words and the vocal performance all feel like they match that. Like, and even though he does sort of like, feels a little breathless at times, like he's like at the very end of a line, like he sort of almost like loses his breath, breath, like, and he's like pushing, like, you know, that like, (laughs) like you kind of push past (laughs) it to get that last word out. But I think it almost sort of like works for this somehow, just because it's so like light and that I don't know. It just like matches. If it, like I feel like if he did that on another song, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But it just somehow sort of like works a little bit here for me. Like I never questioned it. I'm like, this is yeah. what he meant to do. Mm-hmm. Not that he was just like doing weird time things, whatever they're <laughs> called. <laughs> That, that's acceptable. Thank you. Time things. I am good at music. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, I think that, that perspective is important, though. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like, and I said this in another um, interview that, you know, and I, I I think this is a a very, very important point that uh, Bradford Marcellus raised. He was like, it's not the audience's job to dissect what we're doing musically. You know, it's like, it's, it's do they feel it or not? Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's it's it 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 really doesn't matter. It's 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 whether they feel it or not. And like uh, <clears throat> another thing that that tripped me out is like as you were reading that um, is just how the song came to him. Because like I I had um, on on my my record uh, I had a song kind of you know come to me in a dream. Mm-hmm. I had, and it's, it's just weird how how like the the human mind works sometimes like just you know like sometimes i'll be out cutting the grass and like i'll get an idea it's just there's no rhyme or reason to yeah it. you know I, I wish i wish there was a formula to it but you know because then it would be more consistent but like it's just like these random um moments of focus that, that you have and if you, you don't capitalize on them then it's just gone it's gone yeah are you one of those musicians that has like seventy thousand like tiny voice memos of <laughs> song ideas in your phone? Is that every musician? Yeah, most and, of them. And they yeah. sound they sound wacky. Too, <laughs> man. Like, if, if I'm I'm embarrassed to, to play some of them. It's, it's like I mean, they, it's you know, but they 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 turn into stuff, you know. You ever yeah. get the one where like you're in your car and you like you have nothing to play it on, so you're just like you try to hum or sing a riff into your phone 
and then you listen beep, back and you're beep, like, beep, what beep, in beep. the hell was I even doing? Yeah, and like, you're like, I'm not going to forget this. I know this one. This one's great. Oh. And then it's it's never good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that, that's, that's a real it's a real humbling moment. Like, it's, it's like for uh, self-examination, you're like, man, I can't sing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I come to that realization. I'll be like, but a lot of times I'm, I'm in such a hurry to, to get it. Uh, to get it recorded, you know, I'll just forget about pitch or, or anything yeah. like that. Like, but I'm, uh, 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 you know, just kind of like garbage. You know? I've got somewhere I'm like the riff starts in A, da da da, <laughs> like trying to give myself a reference for what I'm doing. It's just it's yeah. trash every time. <laughs> but, but like you know, even some of the some of the greatest writers that that I've ever met, like I, I remember um, the great composer Horace Silver. Um, he he came to Tri C Jazz Festival like, man, this is like 15 years ago. Like this is right before he died, and he was like, uh, he just described his writing process. He was just like, you know, yeah, I got um for this new tunes, man. You know, I just uh, I just force myself to write, man. You know, there's some, and I'm gonna be honest, there's some weak ones in there, but like there's there's in the midst of those weak ones, I had some strong ones. Mm. Uh, this is like most prolific uh composers in uh of the like the hard bop era yeah you know and so like if, if he can have some weak ones then you know i'll, I'll continue grunting into my my voice memo yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i'm sure every beetle will tell you in their catalog you know they're, they're not all winners no but the high water marks are really high yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know I, mm-hmm. I was thinking about what you were just saying, Julia, about my thoughts seeming so schizophrenic here. And I get that. <clears throat> you know, I just, I feel like, I feel like the song itself is just so good. This track should be a universally accepted top five Beatles song. And yet it's 105. Right. But I feel like <laughs> that's why I feel like. I, that's where I feel like the mark was missed. I feel like had they given it the, had they recorded the song the way it deserves to be recorded or deserved to have been recorded, and, and I don't know what that was. No, well, then I, how do you know it would be top five? Oh, I, I that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just it always I think it's always felt like much. somewhat of an unrealized potential because the song, it's it never has like existed like in the canon of like those like top 20 great Beatle classics, you know? Mm. And I feel like it's compositionally that good, but Mm. you know, for some reason you might get, you know, I don't know. Can't buy me love, you know, ranked higher than that. I feel like you're letting the context of the song influence your placement of the song on your list. Even though I ranked it without the context. I you did not rank it without the context. Like your whole literal reasoning was the context well, no, it, it was ranked, of how the song was. It was ranked before I, like I did the list, and then this was the my reasoning was written down later, and the history was written down later. Mm. What, what was number one? Mm. What, what was... I can't tell you that we haven't released it. Oh, yet. we haven't gotten it. Oh, oh no, we're still oh, yeah. far, far we're away from that. Very far. Away. Oh, okay, I think you're going in that order. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. We've got a hundred and. Four left. So, oh, oh 
yeah, it'll be a minute. Yeah. Still a while, yeah. Dan, I'm going to be doing this Godforsaken podcast for the rest of my life. <laughs> hey, you volunteered to be the co-host. I didn't, uh, I didn't make I was, you do it. It was the beginning of COVID. I was really bored. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, with all this in mind, guys, if... You were to look at my ranking of this at number 105 out of 223 songs. Would you say that seems right? Maybe in the right ballpark? Too high, too low? Any thoughts? Man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to defer to your, to your lovely co-host because uh, <laughs> that's impossible. It's <laughs> that's really impossible. hard because there's so many songs and you have to like split second, make a decision like are there, what is it, 223? Mm-hmm. Are there, you know, 104 songs that are better than this out of, you know, like are there uh, 123, 18 songs that are worse than this? Like that's, it's a really hard thing to do. I feel like this is a little low. I think that I think I feel like you missed it. I think yeah. this is a classic. Like as you said, it's what is it? Peak linen. I feel like it's peak writing. I feel like it gets swamped by the orchestra and the choir and the saccharine Phil Spector production. That also is that what I hear on yes. Let It Be. Yes, I don't think that's saccharine at all. Really? No. That's what also like that's what brings down Long and Windy Road for me. Okay, that's I like, can it's see so how that's... and <laughs> it's oh. a great song. <laughs> it's a great song, but oh, it's so sappy. Dan has left Man. the podcast. He just ended the call. I'm kidding. He's still here. He's still here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, I, a, that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow for me because I, I love that song, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I like the song better than the recording of the song, and I think that's the same context here. Like, mm. I tend to like, I feel like covers of this that I've heard, maybe do it more justice than the original, mm. if that makes sense. No, I don't yeah. understand yeah. how you can like. What did you just say? I like the song better than the the recording of the record. Like that doesn't make sense to me. The recording well, is the I, song. I you, you, no, like the song. That, that's, is, that's, you, you're listening with musician ears. Like you, you're. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you're listening for like studio quality and and like. You know, cause, but and I I I understand that because like no, my my wife calls me a a, a musical snob. Yeah. <laughs> Like she's getting ready to to organize a a, a cover song or what was it, a cover song party, and I'm like, ooh, fun. I'm it's giving me enough time to prepare myself to not ruin the party for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so she's gonna take the, like the original song, and then uh, we're gonna check out um, all the covers, mm-hmm. and we're gonna rank to see which one is better. So like. My, my natural inclination is to just ruin the, the entire party for everybody. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, you didn't hear what happened in the fourth bar. You know, uh, it's my house, I'm my a, rules, get out. Yeah, exactly. I'm just Martin Lawrence, everybody. So I, I, I really have to, I have to, like, I kind of have to pray about it. Like, don't don't ruin this for everybody. Remember to don't have fun. That. Yeah, yeah, because we, we, you know, we listen with, we have different criteria. Yeah. That's fair. You know? Yeah. Uh, 
I don't have those ears. I, I don't have that understanding. I'm probably being way too critical of stupid things on this song, but I can't help it. That's why it's my ranking. So. Yeah. And not mine. Yeah. Don't come yeah. for me, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I, I do think you were right when you said they're going to come for me in the comments, and it won't be the first time, and it won't be the last. So no. I'm prepared for <laughs> And I will ha- I will have the same rebuttals to those comments that I have to you right now. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Dan, before we wrap for the evening, man, can I throw some rapid fire questions your way? Shoot. Let's do this. All right. Your favorite Beatles song. Mm. It can be if you have all time or if you just have a favorite one today. Okay, man, this is sorry. This is not going to be too rapid fire. This is like they never, they never are. are. <laughs> Like it's like a musket. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, probably, you never give me your money. Ooh, I've not had anyone name that one yet. Yeah. What What do you like about that one? May I ask? Man, just the uh, the sections, the 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 way it, the sections are split up, mm-hmm. and really the the harmonic structure. You know, without any arrangements, it's pretty killing. Yeah, um, that's a great, a great tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it just, it just goes to all these different places that you never would expect. Expect, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so yeah, that 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 would be number one for me. Okay, I like it. Answer. Uh, do you have a least favorite Beatles song? One that you're just mm-hmm. like, nah, not for me. Um. Well, I would have to say maybe, and this is all right. This is gonna sound weird, uh, <laughs> but but here we go. Uh, so, is I've had maybe "Oh Darling," because I actually I love that song, mm-hmm. but I'm but I'm not crazy about the performance. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Because it's it's like it's like a blues. You know, mm-hmm. but I, I want to hear some blues. I want to hear like some real blues. Yeah. You know, and so I actually, I actually like the the George Benson version uh, of "Oh Darling" better than the the original. Okay. Okay. All right. You know, I, I mean, the, the, I think the song is great, but like, yeah. there, I'm like, guys, I'm 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 ready to hear some blues. And he's a little more like um for you. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's uh, kind of like you know, like the track "Lady Madonna." I love Lady Madonna. It's great. He was trying to write a Fats Domino song. And when oh. you hear Fats Domino cover it, and Fats Domino plays the piano like Fats Domino, <laughs> not Paul McCartney trying to play the piano like Fats Domino, it feels so much better. Like, that is yeah. kind of like a, it's a sweet spot. Like, mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel you on that. Uh, do you have a favorite Beatles album? I mean, this is this is gonna sound cliche, but uh, Abbey Road. Sure, nothing wrong with yeah. that. I mean, that's. I don't think any of them are cliche. No, like <laughs> they're great records. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's impossible to be cliche. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, last one, do you have a favorite memory associated with the Beatles, or something was happening, and maybe a Beatles song was playing, or you you met a Beatle, or something like that? Oh man. Um. Oh, I, I I would say um, when I so I, I've, over the years I've gotten the chance to to uh, to know Pat Metheny and 
He's become like a uh, he, really cool guy, really really nice guy. And he was talking about um, his his career and you know like the traje- trajectory of his career. And he was just like, man, I'm just thinking about the the things I turned down. You know, it just uh, it blows my mind. I'm, I, sometimes I doubt myself. I was just like, who have you turned down? And he was <laughs> like, uh, uh, Eric Clapton. Uh, and he said Paul McCartney. And I was like. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna believe that because I, I mean, I would love to hear Pat Metheny's thing in, uh, in conjunction with with Paul McCartney, yeah, with Paul McCartney, yeah, yeah, that that, that could have been killing, ah. uh, but uh, yeah, that that was uh, a really interesting moment for me because he said he turned that down. I mean, he achieved, you know, he Pat has like like 20 Grammys in 10 different categories, right. Doing all right. So he, he did okay for himself. I mean, if you, <laughs> you know, uh, but turn down Paul McCartney. I don't think I don't think I would have turned that down. I don't think I'd turn Paul down for literally anything. <laughs> like, hey, would you mind picking up my tab for dinner? Yes, sir, Paul McCartney. <laughs> right. You ordered the steak and the wine. Okay, sure. He wouldn't order right. the steak because he's a vegan. But oh, that's true. But you yeah. know, like, oh, you um, you got one of everything. Sure. Right. Would you like my house? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so that, that was yeah that that would be it for me. I like it. That's I like wild. It. Very cool, Dan. This has been a whole lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for for joining us tonight. Uh, Things Eternal is the album. Where can everyone pick it up? Where can they follow everything for you? Uh, what are the hot spots for all that? Um yeah um so I'm I'm on uh, uh the album is on all the st- the streaming devices um but if you are a um, uh, supportive person and a, a decent human being. Uh, purchase the album. Uh, yes. To, to help me keep my lights on. Uh, you can find it at uh, Mac Avenue. You know, Apple Music, all those uh, different outlets. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, uh, Dan Wilson Guitar. On Twitter, Dan Wilson Guitar. Um, so people don't all- think you're the guy from Semi Sonic. Yeah, yeah, that's a much that's a much uh, wealthier, uh, whiter version of myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but Quiet is kept. I, I I I love that guy's writing. Yeah. Um, somebody actually actually accidentally confused us on Twitter. I think it was the Montreal Jazz Festival. They were like uh, Dan Wilson, uh, Dan Wilson Music, which is his name. Mm. On Twitter, will we'll be uh, at Montreal Jazz Festival. He was like, "No, I think that's uh, Dan Wilson guitar." <laughs> he <was> like, <laughs> he said, "I only dream of playing jazz festivals." Uh, I was like, "Well, that's interesting because I I only dream of uh, writing something as cool as Closing Time." Nice. Aww. Yeah, that's that's a, a great song. Yeah, great. Song. Man, we. That's a really lovely exchange, by the way. Like yeah. that was very nice of him to like fix that so that you got the 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 at. Yeah. Um. But just yeah, just like way to be nice, everyone. Good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The internet doesn't have to be, you know, a cesspool all, all the time. time. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah. 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 Well, very cool, man. Dan, this has been a pleasure, man. It's been really nice to get to chat and get to know you a little bit. Uh, thank you for spending some time with us, and uh, everybody, go check out. Uh, Dan's record, Things Eternal. Thank you, man. Excellent. Dan Wilson, everybody. That was fun. 
Dan Wilson guitar. Dan Wilson guitar. Everybody. Yes. 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 <laughs> Follow him on all the socials. Yes. Check out his record, Things Eternal. I listened to it this week, and I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, you know, as I don't imagine as a shock to any of our regular listeners, jazz is not my first language, uh, but this is really good. It's incredibly melodic. It's groovy. It sounds great. Like, highly, highly recommend it. It feels good. I was listening to it while I was working It'll today. It'll make it feel good. Yeah. yeah. I was doing my little... My little additions, my little subtractions, my Girl. little shoulder shimmy. Yeah. I was loving it. That's how you <laughs> That's how you keep the books. <laughs> uh, friends, what do you think about Across the Universe at 105? I'm not even sure what I think about it, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think I'm right, but I don't know. Well, you've committed. So I've committed. It's now, on tape. Now you, you've made this bed. Now you must now lie I in it. Now I must lie in it. <laughs> Feel free to flog me on any of the sites that you might be following us on. If you're looking for us on Facebook, we're at... Ranking the Beatles. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at... Ranking Beatles. If you're looking for us on Instagram, we're over there at... Ranking the Beatles. Be sure to follow or be sure to check out uh, RankingTheBeatles.com, the hub for all your things, Ranking the Beatles. Grab yourself a t-shirt or a phone case or a dog bowl or a jumper. Okay. Or a Rank Your Own Beatles poster. And uh, tell a friend what we're doing. Be sure to leave a five-star review. I think on Spotify you can leave reviews now. Oh. You can even, like, there's like a little support thing. Uh, some nice folks have been pledging uh, 99 cent a month support to us. Oh, thanks, friends. Yeah. And we've had friends that have been buying us coffees on Buy Me a Coffee. Thank you also to those Much friends. appreciated. Yes. Because, like, sometimes I got to get... New mic cables and new microphone covers. And yeah, it generally doesn't go to coffee. It generally no. goes to like we make our own coffee. Tech. Yeah, yeah, we do. I like my coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have a little treat outside the house every now That's and then. That's true. But it's true. Um, I'm, I really like my community coffee. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Okay. Totally off well, track. Friends, this has been a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm Jonathan and I'm Julia. This has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.